Three's Company, Happy Days, One Day at a Time, sitcoms of the 1970s. I'm embarrassed to say that I used to love to watch them. <laughs> now I wonder, what was I thinking? In most of them, one of the characters would get into some kind of trouble in the first three to four minutes of the show. And in a drama class, I learned that that's what makes a good story. You have to have conflict to make a good story. If you don't have conflict, you end up with Teletubbies. And how many of us want that? <laughs> well, in these sitcoms, the bulk of the show was watching the characters work through the conflict, including their funny mistakes and the laugh tracks. And then you could practically set your clock by when the tension was resolved, about 90 seconds before the end of the show. In our gospel today, Luke sets up the tension that would carry through chapter 14 and really through the end of his book in the first verse of chapter 14. Jesus is on his way to the home of a Pharisee on the Sabbath, excuse me, to eat a meal, and we're told they were watching him closely. How's that for foreshadowing? The story we skipped today tells us that as they were watching him closely, Jesus breaks with his religious tradition and heals a man on the Sabbath. The Jews were to do no work on the Sabbath, and healing was defined as work. Well, by verse 7, we're at the Pharisee's house. And Jesus, always the observer, watches how the guests choose their seats. I should have come in here earlier and watched you choose your seats. <laughs> Wasn't it strange to walk into a room? Some of you have never been in this room before see how things were set up and say, where should I sit? Where should I sit? Is there a should? Who's, I, you knew you weren't going to take anybody's seat walking in here because nobody has a seat in here. Nobody's going to say, that's my pew and I've been sitting there for 50 years. <laughs> so you had to think, well, where do I sit? I don't want to be too close to the pastor because she might see my eyes drooping. I don't want to sit too far back because I might not be able to see and hear in this boxy room. Maybe I'll sit by an aisle so I only have a stranger on one side of me and I can make a quick, quick escape if I have to. Well, Jesus came and he, he stood by and he just watched and, and saw where people chose their seat. Did they choose a seat of honor? Now. In, in those days, at a banquet like this, they were reclining, and so you know it's a banquet. They would have the tables in a U shape. And if you were on the inside of the U, you were more honored than if you were on the outside of the U. So it was obvious who was taking a place of honor and who wasn't. Well, it's hard for us because we have to admit we sort of like places of status. Maybe not right in the middle of the head table, but 
We don't mind being in a place where we feel admired. And time and again, Jesus in the Gospels reminds us that we are to cede the places of honor for the places of humility. Not just around the dinner table, but in every part of our lives. For all, he says, who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. Sometimes exhausted too, but I meant to say exalted. So after Jesus gives instructions to the guests in his parable, he turns to the host. Now, if you've ever made out a wedding, a guest list for a wedding or a party, you know that just as you're considering who will be invited, you're also considering who will be left out. I thought about that from my wedding. You know, you, you have to say, you have to cut it off somewhere, right? You don't have the White House to give a banquet in. So who gets left out? Well, probably we respond with those people who make us uncomfortable. The people who have something wrong with them, or the people who are different from us, or the people who we don't like. Well, oops, all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. We really don't like what Jesus says because we like being comfortable. Somehow God made us that way. And so there's a constant tension because there's something also inside us because we know about God that tells us that it's not the way we should be. That maybe because of a personal story, a time when we were outcasts, and someone welcomed us, we see a glimpse of the gospel. When I was, right before my, uh, my junior year in high school, we moved from Richmond to Danville, and I had been in Richmond for eight years. I was very settled there. I was mad about moving. Well, some folks helped us move in, some folks that my, um, and, that my dad was going to be working with and their families. And one girl, Michelle Dever, um, who had helped us move in, called and asked if I'd like to ride with her to school. Now, Dan, I don't know if they do now, but Danville didn't have school buses at the time. So everybody who went to the high school had to have a ride. I didn't have a car. I didn't even have my license at the time. And so for her to call, and extend that invitation to someone who felt very much like an outcast, that was a powerful thing for me. That made me not an outcast. And Michelle hardly knew me, but she took that step to reach out and to invite me into her group, and my life changed. Maybe you can think of a time in your life when someone chose you to play on his team or invited you to her home or lent you money when you need it. Maybe a family offered you a seat at their dinner table when you were hungry or lonely. Probably all of us can think of a time when we felt like an outcast. So we are on 
Jesus' guest list. Everyone is on Jesus' guest list. Some of the names we would know, most we don't. Sometimes we don't know the names of outcasts because we're rarely around them. And we rarely invite them inside. We let them walk by our church, the front or the back, and we don't invite them to AC's Diner down on 5th Street or Gary's Bar and Grill down on 6th. We don't invite them to our own table of communion, the table that Jesus initiated for us. Now that makes me uncomfortable. And I, I trust that we're moving in the right direction. Diana Butler Bass spent several years researching traditional mainline churches that were healthy and strong. She put her research in a book called Christianity for the Rest of Us. At a summer conference, Dr. Bass said that hospitality is one thing that all the churches she researched did well. She said that if we understand hospitality and do it, our congregation will change. Our congregation will get stronger and healthier when we welcome the stranger, she said. Throw open the doors to anybody and everybody that will show up, she said. And in a story she told, there was one church who realized that the strangers were their own children, the children within the congregation. And so they, they began to make amends into how they could incorporate the children then into their church family in better ways. It's a grand vision, but hard to accomplish. But this is where we start. At this table of communion, there is enough for everyone here and more. And I thought about you know what's left over. There's always some pieces of the crackers and there's always some juice that you know goes away what would happen if one Sunday or every communion Sunday we took these trays out and down the front steps of the church and offered it offered that the body of Christ to people who were passing by boy wouldn't that make us uncomfortable <laughs> I just wondered what if we took Jesus' words to heart and invited the passers-by to join us around the table? They may not be the physically blind or crippled or lame or poor, but we all from time to time are spiritually blind, crippled, lame, or poor. One person outside our church who's interested in the downtown community suggested we have a free Monday where we set up a table every morning from 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. and we all bring in the stuff that we no longer need or want and we just set it on the table and we let people come up and take it. Now there's another thing that would make us uncomfortable but it may be a good thing. It's reaching out, it's caring, it's inviting people to the house of God. We've talked from time to time about having an outreach program in the parking lot one time, a, um, a 
setting up jumping equipment for the children or something like that, having church tours in the process so people could come inside and see what it's like inside. But really, the goal wouldn't necessarily be to gain church members, but to spread the love of Jesus Christ. An advertisement for a sewing machine store said, we will oil your sewing machine and adjust tension in your home for a dollar. <laughs> well, don't we wish that tension could be resolved so inexpensively and quickly, but in reality, resolution of tension takes hard work. The stories of the Bible are not 22-minute situation comedies. There is no resolution to the tension unless we provide it in the here and now. September 1st, yesterday, began our new church year. We have joys ahead and we have challenges ahead. And with the strength of Christ, we will meet them head on. But it begins here. It begins here at the table of union, of reunion, of communion, where no one is an outcast because Jesus invites all of us to dine with him. Let's say a prayer together. Hear our prayers, O God, for your wisdom and for your guidance, for your peace and your hope, and for a reminder of the power of Jesus in our lives. Amen.